Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our chat about Supernatural and the Eric Kripke era. So we are going to be talking about seasons four and five now. And we have the same panel minus Sarah. So we still have Judy, Jill, and Sasha on with me. So this will be a lot of fun. I think there's a lot, a lot to talk about in these two seasons, two of the best Supernatural seasons, in my opinion. So we're going to start with season four. And, of course, last you saw, (laughs) Dean was dragged off to hell at the end of season three. So season four opens with probably my one of my favorite openings ever of any season with Dean clawing his way out of a grave. And also some of the best moments of acting ever from Jensen, where you just have those few moments before he even speaks a word of him trying to figure out what is going on, especially the gas station scene, and then hearing a mysterious noise. And of course, at the end, we figure out what that noise is. So I just want to, first off, just get your impressions of what it was like when you saw Dean coming back from hell. What was that like, Judy? Oh, wow. You're right. That scene is just amazing. And, um, you know, Sasha probably loves this, but my God, the things you could read into, (laughs) right? Clawing yourself out of hell, breaking through, you know, coming up from the worst part of, of your life and all of this. So it could be an allegory for so much. Um, That aside, though, it is just a gorgeous scene. Uh, with all the trees um, blasted away and the hands coming up out of the grave and, and agreed his uh, Jensen's acting is amazing. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, we knew that Dean wasn't going to be able to stay in hell forever, right? The show's gonna got to continue. So we knew he had to come back somehow, but that first moment of, of season four, when I think, I think you first get him in the box and then he lights up his lighter or something and that just that claustrophobic feeling and then watching him bust himself out of a grave in the ground is incredible. I loved it. Bravo. <laughs> um, yeah, I think my first thought was what the, <laughs> like I wasn't expecting him to be back instantly um, as we opened up the season. Um, and And then that curiosity of what, uh, what just happened? How did this happen? Um, you're right. Beautifully filmed. I love the overhead shot where where all the trees are downed all the way around him. Um, and the scene in in the in the gas station is just so Dean. Like everything about it screams Dean. Um, and of course, Cass has the best entrance of anybody on the show. That is just the greatest introduction to a character ever. Um, Walking through the barn with the seeing his wings and explosions going on. It's just an incredible episode. I also love all the, um, everybody trying to figure out if Dean's a demon, getting the, (laughs) the, um, you know, holy water thrown in his face and all that. Um, which is perfect because that's exactly what they would do. 
they would assume that this was Nadine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a beautifully shot episode. It's I think it's probably one of the favorites for many people um, because it's just it's written well, it's filmed well, um, and who knew that this character that we were gonna that arrived in the barn was gonna be around for so long and gonna be such an important part of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about that in just a second. That's going to be a big, big focus of this episode for sure. Um, uh, yeah, and Sasha, your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, that whole, like, in the box and lighting the lighter, I literally could feel myself going, I can't breathe. Like, what is happening? It was so, so uncomfortable. Um, and I actually just watched that today as well in my kind of quick rewatch and rewatching it. And this is kind of a weird thing to say, but when I'm watching Jensen climb out of that, my only thought is who convinced him to climb through the, what, how did they, they do the layer of dirt and convince him that, yeah, we're going to do this. It'll be fine, dude. You'll, you'll be okay. Because the entire top half of his face, like from his eyes up is all covered in dirt. Like he literally came through stuff. Who, no, no. Um, when Bobby hangs up on him, like, who is this? No, you call me again, I'm going to kill you. You know, and it's, you're right, Joel, that's exactly how everybody would respond. Throwing the water in his face and just Jensen's face was like, for real? Like, legit, we're going to, okay. He just has that over it expression. Um, and I, I love that. Um and I don't know if I can jump the gun on you a little here, Aaron, but that whole scene with Pamela and the, the like, the seance and mm-hmm. all of that was so great. Um, really, Dean's response to uh, Jesse forever, just like, well, it wasn't forever. You know, his loss could be your gain. And he Dean's just like, I just busted out of hell. Like, I'm out of jail. <laughs> I'm, let's do this. And Sam's going, oh, yeah, you're you're done, dude. She's going to destroy you. So just his response to everything um, was, it was kind of interesting to see that. Yeah. And I, I agree. Um, like Jill said, it was kind of, it was, I loved the beginning, but it was kind of jarring at first, the first time I watched it, because I was like, wait, we're not going to get any of Dean and Helm. It kind of threw me. And of course, that's a lot of what happens in subsequent seasons is people are just magically out of wherever they were. And you don't get a lot of that, except you get flashbacks or backstory and you don't really get too many flashbacks through season four, but you get some backstory there. Um, Of course you see the flashes of when you would see his face covered in blood and you see that in the beginning too, which was freaky. You don't know what's going on. Um, And I think the whole episode, especially the beginning has this very, um, like kind of foreboding sense to it, um, the sense of dread, and especially that he's all alone when he comes out of there. And it's like there's no one around. Um, it could even be reminiscent of the first episode of The Walking Dead when Rick wakes up and he's in a place that's no one, uh, no one else is around and he doesn't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, I just I love that whole opening. It's it's my favorite um, season opener, definitely. Um, it just, and it sets the whole tone for the whole season and the stage. And yeah. And like I said, his, just his performance in that whole scene, there's so much that he does without a single word. It's just so incredible. 
Um, and the writing is incredible. The music is incredible. Um, the sets, the everything, the film, the cinematography, the everything is just brilliant in those first few moments and the whole entire episode. Um, and yeah, I agree. I'm, I'll jump forward to there for a second with Pamela because I love Pamela. I think she is such a great character. I absolutely love her. I have a little bit of a crush on her. I think she's just, she's so awesome. She's just, she's just kicks ass. I just adore her. Um, and I wish we could have gotten more of her throughout the whole series. Honestly, I wanted more of her because she was just, she, you know, she was up there with Bobby for me as far as like that, that strength and that, that strong character and kind of even in the same realm as Ellen as well. And I just, I just, I loved her so much. So yeah, she was, she was awesome. And I hated seeing her get her eyes burned out. Um, but what I want to talk about now uh, because it happens in the, at the end of this first episode is we are introduced to angels in the form of Castiel or Cass, as we like to call him, and the infamous barn scene. So I know we're going to get a lot of gushing here. So bring on the gushing, Judy. <laughs> you know me well. <laughs> yes, um, I love Cass. Um, I remember when I started watching the show, Remember, I was a I was a binger, so I binged like the first seven um, seasons instead of watching live. So I had started seeing some stuff online before I ever met Cass about you know this cool angel that comes along and you know bursts his way into the boy's life and you know is awesome and all this. And I remember thinking, no way is anybody gonna ever be as awesome as Sam and Dean Winchester. <laughs> And then the barn scene, right? This angel burst his way through these doors. Like you said, Jill, the, the best entrance, the only one that ever compa- that even compares is death. Um, but yeah, he's got this amazing entrance. He comes through and, and the way that Misha acted him with just this otherworldly gravitas um, like you knew he wasn't human. It, it it was just something deeper and bigger. There's there's a you know something the size of the Empire State Building inside this human body. Um, I loved that, and I kind of wish more of the angels did that. Be- but because they didn't, it just makes Cass look kind of weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cassiel just became um pretty much my all time favorite. Uh character of anything um i love that he his growth i think he has had more character growth than anybody on on the show or gosh just about any other show that i've seen like to to go from being this billionaire old hammer you know just obedient thing that that well we think he's this billion-year-old obedient thing. <laughs> we find out later he's, you know, disobeyed more than once because he's got this cool crack in his chassis. He's something different. He's something unique. Um, but he meets Dean, and Dean's passion for the world and his love for his brother and his love for everything changes Cass. Um, and over the years, Cass goes from this... Um, robot who's just following orders to um 
this angel that is just filled with love and sometimes he's sweet and sometimes he's funny. He's badass, but he's also vulnerable. There's just so many things that I just absolutely love about him. And because he learned to love and because of the crack in his chassis, we find out that that's driven everything. This entire universe is different than all the other ones because he was different. And I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. And Jill. Oh, well, it's hard to follow that because yes on all that. Um, <laughs> um, I, I love Cass as a character. I, I loved him instantly. The second he showed up, I thought he was amazing. And I wish there was more of him because in that season, even though we've in, been introduced to him, we don't then see him again for a while. We, he's, he pops up sporadically. Um, I know that they originally said he was supposed to only be in a few episodes, but he's, it doesn't, when you go back and watch, you don't see that. You don't see that a shift to where it was like, Oh, he was done. Oh, but they added him back in. It seems like his story flows um, all the way through. Um, I think that he, he becomes what something Dean needs. He, He fills a void for Dean, which is a friend. He's got Sam, who's his brother, who he needs to protect, but he doesn't have a best friend, somebody that he can confide in. And and especially when it's something about Sam, he needs somebody to, to bounce things off of. And he gives him that missing void in his life is this best friend. Uh, just as a character, like Judy said, the growth of Cass, how he changed. Um, he, you know, he rebels. He becomes more human and maybe part of that is because at some point he becomes human uh, but he doesn't lose that when he becomes an angel again uh, I love that he's an odd one to the other angels uh, I love that at times he is by from the other angels he's hated he is loved he is feared <laughs> at various times with the other angels uh, and I love that that he brought in this storyline I, I wasn't sure about dealing with angels when it first came up upon us. But um, I think the angel storyline brought in so much more avenues for stories, especially when we get into the other angels, you know, the, the Dick angels, <laughs> the Zacharias and the, mm-hmm. you know, that, that really shows us how different Cass is. I also love how we, we see Cass fighting that, that he, he sees that he can rebel, but he also doesn't want to because it's not what he knows. And we see that inner conflict that he has um, to fight to decide which side he's going to be on. And I love that about his character. Yeah. yeah. And Judy, you wanted to add something? Yeah, just about that. The um, the angels also bring in that whole destiny. Thing that becomes so important and fighting destiny and free will versus um, versus destiny. And so that becomes such an important theme for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's a, another important addition that the angels gave us. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And Sasha. Um, I think I'm going to be the odd one out. And I I like Cass. But I'm not like. Yes. Um, I know. I, I, sorry. I know, Judy. 
he's he's your he's your boo but i just Cass is a um and i i appreciate his role like jill said like he gave dean a sounding board and he gave dean like a safe space where he could discuss things that he needed to discuss and do all of that so i appreciate Cass for that i also appreciate him for a lot of his earlier like um just not humaning like you know i don't understand that reference i'll interrogate the cat i drank a liquor store it's fine you know kind of all of those things like the comedic relief that is comedic but not supposed to be it's just like who he is so i appreciate all of that about him but i'm i'm definitely not a cast girl at all so i know that you know there's that whole like bed wed behead yeah for me cast would go I'm sorry. So, no need so to you, apologize. That's one cast for me. <laughs> if you had been on Carla and Meg's podcast, Bed, Wed, and Behead. Yeah, which they broke my, absolutely broke my heart. And I know you guys are listening, and I know they already know this. They broke my heart in the episode where they had cast Sam and um, Dean on there. They broke my heart with their choices. <laughs> which should just, you should know who they beheaded just by me saying that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, no, like I said, I'm not a big Sam fan, so I think it's good that, you know, everybody has their different opinions. Um, I think, sorry, were you going to say something, Sasha? Okay. Um, I think Cass's entrance in the show is next to death. Like you said, Judy is the, one of the best entrances of the whole entire show, um, you get the power that this being has. You're not sure who this being is and the fear and you see the fear in Dean and Bobby's face. Um, and Dean is trying to cover it up, but you can see how terrified he is of this being because in his mind, God doesn't exist in his mind. Angels don't exist because if they did, why would we have the world that we have? Um, and so he doesn't have faith in that stuff. So to have that questioned instantly like that is just mind blowing. Um, and Cass in general is just such a fascinating character because you, you see other characters that this happens to where the Winchesters touch them and they change a little bit or, you know, I mean, Crowley to me will always be, you know, in, in love with especially Dean, but in love with the Winchesters. Um, in a way. And then you also see it happen with Meg and, and stuff. So you see that change. Um, but I think Cass, it's so, it's so different. It's so much more profound, even though, even though in later seasons, he still makes mistakes and falls down and does stuff that he thinks he's doing for the greater good. And he's actually not. Um, and it is great to have somebody in Dean's corner and Cass is always in Dean's corner and you don't and I don't think you always get that necessarily um, where sometimes people will seem to choose Sam over Dean or or Dean feels like Sam should be number one or something. So having someone choose Dean is pretty incredible for Dean. And then for Cass, for Cass to meet a human being that challenges everything he believes is true and makes him question everything and see everything differently you know and you see it in season four you see him slowly changing um and the whole scene where he finally ends up helping dean and getting dean out of you know the heavenly waiting room kind of area that he was in he was being trapped in to try and stop sam from letting lucifer out 
um, is, is just a really great scene because you see that change come over him and you see him struggling with it. You see him struggle with it um, in, um, in episodes in season four before that. Um, and of course you see the struggle with that with Anna, who Anna was the angel that was actually supposed to stay around longer. Um, and then it ended up being Cass, um, which I just think, you know, I often think, hmm, I wonder how that would have been if it would have ended up being Anna around longer than Cass and Cass would have left. Um, but Cass is just, for me, I, I, you know, I've, I don't love Cass as much anymore in the later seasons, and I blame that a lot on the writing. But I, I you know, rewatching it, I'm like, oh my god, Cass is so much fun, and he's for a being that is so incredibly powerful, he is so incredibly vulnerable. Oh my gosh, you see that in little things he does where he gets a little bit of embarrassment. Um, you see it in season eight in in the episode. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but the episode where he is interrogating the cat and you see these little glimpses where he's like, oh, I, I should have done it more this way because he's trying to be a hunter and he doesn't know how to do it. And he's dealing with his own PTSD at the same time. So he's so for a being that is so incredibly powerful, he's so incredibly vulnerable. And that's what I like about him is you see so many different sides. And, yeah, nobody else could play this character except for Misha Collins. Um, Misha added a lot to this, a lot more than I think was on the page. Um, and he continues to add a lot more to it. Um, and you know, I, and I just really love Cass watching Cass with people. I like he's for a long time was my second favorite to Dean. Um, and yeah, he's, he's just a fascinating character with one of the best entrances ever, 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 ever. Um, yeah. So. Um, so now let's move on. Um, there's so much to talk about in this season. Um, Dean, of course, is coming back from hell and he's dealing with a lot of PTSD stuff that he's not talking about with anybody. Um, but you see it. So I just want to talk a little bit about that and how they handled it and how um, Dean handled it. Um, Judy, what are your thoughts on Dean with his PTSD? I'm just glad that they handled it, you know, that they did do something with it to because that really emphasized just how terrible hell was for Dean and and what he had to do in hell you know to survive and the guilt that he carries around and will carry around for the rest of his life now of course they dealt with it well but then they kind of forgot in later seasons which you know okay I get you're not gonna be able to to go back to that all the time but um yeah, there's a scene, I'm trying to think of where it was, um, I don't remember the episode, but when they're sitting on the back of, of Baby and, and Dean finally tells Sam, you know, he breaks down into tears and he, he tells him, well, we can't tell him everything because he's just like, I, I can tell you a little bit of, you know, high level, but I cannot tell you the details of what I did. It's just too much. And he's breaking down. It's just such a beautiful scene. Um, you know, and they have these little kind of like flashes of hell here and there, which really helps to, um, for us to believe that hell is just this terrible, scary, awful place, which is one of the reasons it makes me so angry in later seasons when hell is not. <laughs> hell, hell stops being scary. It stops being 
terrifying and torturing and yeah it's that that kind of bothers me but um yeah the 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 way that they dealt with his ptsd and um yeah that kind of leads me to another thing that that friendship that he has with Cass Cass is the one person that knows what he did in hell and um even the details of it and actually rescued from it him from it um but still loves him regardless and respects him and doesn't care you know he loves him unconditionally even though he knows his deepest darkest secret which is another thing that's so valuable about that friendship yeah mm-hmm. and heaven and hell is the name of the episode where he finally comes clean to say oh, okay yeah he starts in wishful thinking at the end mm-hmm. but that he really comes clean and and um, heaven and hell yeah mm-hmm. and jill um is heaven and hell the one where he he tells him it's like you know so many years yeah. per mm-hmm. yeah okay um that that is something for whatever reason sticks with me that that idea that every day every day here is so you know so much longer in hell that you're he's being tortured uh i thought they dealt with it pretty well that was one of the ones you know where i said earlier that or said in the previous um show about when you're watching it weekly things feel more dragged out and that was one of the things that i felt kind of got dragged out it's like come on dean just tell sam just say something it's not it doesn't feel that way when you're stream when you're when you're binging it um i did kind of want him to say this is how awful it was um and not have to have it be drug out of him but i am glad that he finally said something um they did let it go but i you know too soon probably but they had to <laughs> can spend the rest, <laughs> you can't spend the next 10 years talking about hell i guess um but I, but I'm glad they did handle it and they didn't just say oh yeah it was terrible and they and moved on um, because I think they needed to let us know and let Sam know that hell was hell and yeah but hell's not so scary anymore again it's a post Crowley hell <laughs> yeah yeah which is sad and Sasha um so the PTSD for me was and. Again, coming from like a clinical point of view, I feel like they handled it really well because Dean's flashes, like anybody who has, who's ever been through a traumatic situation or had PTSD experiences, it's not a like live action reliving of thing. You just get flashes and bits. So the way that they portrayed like the blood on his face or like, there's one scene somewhere and it's just the screaming. Like you can hear that screaming, the noise, that kind of stuff. I feel like they really, really showed that. Um, and yeah, we don't need to drag it out forever. Cause that would be terrible. Um, they probably should have touched on it again, you know, like a couple seasons later, just to like reminder is like a touchstone to why he is how he is now. Um, but I get it. I get why they didn't do it. So I feel like the PTSD, they did a pretty good job of, you know, doing that. And then that conversation was just like, I'm going to tell you parts, but I can't tell you everything. And that's true. I mean, anybody that's been through anything, you can't. And part of that is not just him not wanting to tell, but 
I guarantee you X amount of it, especially since it's like, what, 40 years for him, he's just forgotten. He can't pull up those memories to be like, all right, Sam, so on day one, here's what I did. And on day two, here's what I did, you know. By year 39, I'm like, okay, I'm stuck here forever, so I'll get off the rack. Like, you can't do a everyday, it's not like he kept a journal. Here, just read this, you know. So I feel like they did a good job with it. Um, and again, I mean, it's like we keep saying, it's Jensen's face is just phenomenal. I don't know how he does it, but he does. He can convey everything in like a glance or you can see that slight twinge like where he almost wants to flinch, you know, and it just tells you how hard everything was. So, yeah. Yeah, and in um you know, it's it's me, so this will be a lot of gushing <laughs> and sorrow, but in the whole um scene where he's sitting with Anna and Anna is saying that she knows what happened and is trying to even talk. And he just goes, I, I, the way he says, I can't talk about that. The way his voice kind of breaks a little bit, I can't even imitate how good he did that. Um, because as someone who personally suffers from PTSD from quite a few things, um, there is that little break where if someone's going to start asking you to talk about something and you don't want to talk about that. And because the second you start talking about that, that wall is going to come down and you're going to have to experience that again. And you're trying to build that wall up to not have to feel those feelings again. So he did that so perfectly. Um, and he'd have moments throughout before he um, confessed to Sam or opened up to Sam. He had those moments throughout where you would see that not just, and again, a mirror scene again in wishful um, thinking when he's in the, or actually, no, it was actually the very first episode when he's in the hotel and Sam is out killing demons or something and he's washing his face and he looks in there and you see little flashes of hell and it's just chilling. And then you see him kind of shut that off, like switch it off. And that's a lot of the way, way it is when you're dealing with PTSD. It's like you don't even know when it's going to come up. You can't prepare yourself. It can be a smell. It can be someone saying something. It can be a song. It can be just a little thing you see on TV that you wouldn't even necessarily even think would bring it up. And it happens. So that's why I appreciated that they just kind of peppered him in there. It wasn't like he was constantly seeing that stuff. It was just occasionally it would happen. And, of course, the way he copes with everything is alcohol, um, because in my mind, Dean is an alcoholic, um, big time, which is something I they've sort of tackled, but I wish they would would have tackled better. Um, but, yeah, so that's how he covers up. And you will see that with him in this one or his humor. His humor is a big defense mechanism. Um, and you see some of the fear, you know, of course, in Yellow Fever which, you know, he's so brilliant in that one. And that's hilarious. It's a funny episode. But the scene where Lilith comes back and he's sitting there with Lilith. I mean, that is just terrifying because she represents, and you don't know yet, everything that he did in hell, not just because she is scary and terrifying, but she also represents that part of himself that he's hating of what happened in hell and that he's blaming himself for when Basically, any person would have broken in that amount of time. 
um, and probably sooner than he did. Um, and then, of course, one of my absolute all-time favorite episodes, even though it's, it's incredibly painful to watch, is On the Head of a Pin. And that episode is so brilliant and so good and so painful to watch. And that's one of those episodes also where you see cast sort of starting to break away um, and question what they're doing. But Jensen's performance in there um, where he has to torture Alistair for information. And that actor was brilliant, too, <laughs> and terrifying. Um, and when he learns that he started the apocalypse and then he confirms it at the end with Cass. Oh, my God. It was just heart wrenching. Um, and especially, you know, also being tortured with Alistair saying, you you know, your dad did better than you. And Dean has always had this thing with his dad. And so having to hear that and he already feels less of a man than his dad was, was just more torture on Dean. Um, so that whole episode, I think, is one of the best episodes the show has ever done. Um, it's one of my favorite. Write that one down, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a great one. And then also because you get to see a different side of cast start to emerge big time in that one. I think that's the first one really that it really, really starts to show. Um, yeah, so I just I think they handled it really well in season four and a little bit in season five. Even um, I think it kind of comes back more with the Mark of Cain storyline and Demon Dean. But I wish they had delved a little bit deeper into his PTSD because there's a lot of PTSD that he has not even begun to deal with and that they will never allow him to deal with, obviously. Um, but, yeah, uh, Jill, you wanted to add something? So I was thinking about, um, you know, moments where we see cast change. So you're talking about during on the head of a pin where we see the cast has this kind of emotional feeling towards Dean. He doesn't want Dean to have to do this. Um one of my favorite scenes where we see a little bit of that cast shifting is I think it's in monster at the end of the book um, where cast won't help. And Dean tells him, then don't come to me for help. And you see a little glimmer in Castiel's face of, Ooh, I know how I can do this. And then he gives it away without telling him how to do it. And I love that entire scene. I love the way Misha plays it. Um, that you can see that he's, you know, he's trying to be good, but he's given a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. Here's what you need to do. And I think that's one of the earliest shifts of seeing him actively defy what he's supposed to do to help the Winchesters. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very true. Judy. That's the moment my ship was born. <laughs> <laughs> day <laughs> i love i love how he looks away he goes just so you know and he looks away and then he looks so, back <laughs> it's so perfect yeah. I, that moment it, it, it like i said it made a huge impact on me because i that's the moment i can pinpoint that i that i started to think Cass is falling in love with him wow that's that's well that's a great point to pick too that's awesome Cool. Okay, so let's another big storyline, of course, this season is Sam and drinking demon blood and his relationship with Ruby 2.0. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Judy, what are your thoughts on Sam and the demon blood on Ruby? Yeah, um, so one of the interesting things about um, Ruby, and I just have to mention, mention this because I, I think it's a, a really fascinating point. 
Um, Sarah Gamble, you know, she gets some criticism, although I think she did some good stuff um, and she was given a tough job. She gets some criticism, but I, I'm pretty sure it was her who when, you know, she was like the lone female in the writer's room when they decided Sam and Ruby are going to, to have sex. Um, but of course, you know, Ruby is is possessing a human being. So Sarah Gamble was the one who raised the flag and said, you can't do that. There's some major consent issues there. So she was the one who insisted that Ruby possess a brain dead body. So thank you, Sarah Gamble, for that. <laughs> I just got out to say that, um, you know, before we talk about the, the rest of the Ruby story. Um, but with that said, the Ruby story to me was interesting because I kept it kept me on my toes and it kept me guessing and questioning is Ruby good? Is Ruby bad? Should I root for her or root against her? Should I be for Sam's demon blood thing because he can sometimes save the human instead of just stab, stab, stab? Or should I be against it because, well, he's drinking demon blood? Um, I loved that aspect of it, that it wasn't black and white and that I it it made me question, question, question and really think hard about the story. And I didn't know that about about Sarah Gamble. So, yeah, yeah. Good. Good for her. Yes, yeah. I'm glad that that happened. <laughs> Jill, your thoughts? Um, I agree that that one kept you on your toes. You didn't know which way was I mean, you kind of in your gut knew that Ruby wasn't being truthful, but you couldn't quite figure out exactly what what she was doing. Um it's also very smart the way that they pulled Sam in because that being able to save the human is how they've got him in. That was the con. Bring him in, tell him it's going to be good for you um, and make him believe it um, and then make him defend it to Dean the same way. It's a good thing. This is going to help us. Um, I did not know that story either about Sarah Gamble. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, Ruby wasn't one of my favorites. But, um, it, I mean, it, it served its purpose, I guess. It got us to, to where we needed to be. Uh, I am curious about how much of this, you know, Eric Crickby had this five-year plan. I always wondered how fleshed out the five-year plan was. It Was it just a loose, you know, sketch that he knew he where he wanted to end up? Or did he have really plot points? Um, so this was one of the steps on the way to where he was going. Um, so it was necessary, but I don't know that the Ruby story was my favorite line. Um, mainly because it caused the brothers to have a riff. And I tend to find the, the seasons I dislike the most is when they're fighting. You know, it's, it's like in Harry Potter when Ron and Harry are fighting. It's my, you know, my least favorite part of the story is when they're everybody's separate. Um, and they're not working together. And that happened um, quite a bit with, within the storyline because you kind of had Cass and Dean on one side and Sam and Ruby on the other. I do like, though, within that storyline, I do like the the part where, and I think it was good acting on Jared's part, to where Dean Sam is defending 
the, the blood. And Dean tells him the angels want, don't want you to do it. And Sam has this little flicker of what? Like the angels don't want me to like, that's a big thing. Like, wait a minute. There's a little flicker. I, I think in his eyes when he tells him that, that it's, that it makes him question it, but he continues, of course. The fact that the angels are against this plan that he's so sure of um, sets him back a little bit. Yeah. And Sasha? Um, I agree with everything. You know, I don't, it was kind of a, a plot of like, okay, it's got a, it's a means to an end kind of thing. Um, but the whole relationship with Sam and Ruby, the thing that I really liked was, and it was in, I know what you did last summer. It was right around there when, you know, Sam's telling Dean about everything that was going on. And, um, and then Dean hooks up with, is it Anna? Is the angel he hooks up? So you've got Sam on one side who's sleeping with the demon. And then you have, Dean on the other side who ends up having sex with the angel. And it's just that dichotomy between the brothers and where they're at that I really liked that whole couple of episodes or episode and a half or whatever it was of them kind of exploring that. And it was just that split. It really drove home that split. Um, So that's kind of all I can add to that. Sam and Ruby and, you know, the blood judy yeah well i mean that was the beginning of where they started planting those seeds of dean being aligned with the heaven side being the vessel for michael where you know sam is the vessel for lucifer so aligned with the demon side so yeah it was a really cool way to start planting the seeds of that here we go destiny again (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I um, and, and personally, that kind of surprised me at first. I was really glad they went that route where it was um, Sam trying to avoid the dark side and going over to Lucifer and then Dean going over to the light side, so-called light side of heaven and Michael. And I always thought that that was really, really interesting way to do it. Um, and of course, that you know, comes into play big time in season five. Um, As far as the demon blood goes and Sam drinking that, like I said, when we were talking about season two, I found this part a lot more interesting than Sam's other power stuff in two. um, Because I thought it was interesting to combine this real addiction. He really has an addiction and you really see that um, towards the end of season four when they lock him up in um, Bobby's, panic room and he's detoxing and he's hallucinating and seeing his mother and the younger version of him and all this stuff. And that's when you really see how addicted he is to blood. You know, he's a junkie um, and it's really sad and it's heartbreaking. Um, And I do think that's some of Jared's best acting is in those scenes when he's coping with that. And then there's a little bit of that in season five as well. Um, And yeah, I just, I, I, that's what I found fascinating about it was seeing this different side of Sam um, where Sam, you know, sometimes can be painted as the smart one or the one that has it all together. 
and seeing him and he doesn't but seeing him fall apart um without his brother and not knowing how to deal with that and so turning to an addiction that isn't you know necessarily an addiction you would think of but instead of turning to alcohol turning to blood and turning to this woman who is setting him up to completely betray him in the end um and yeah i'm not a fan of ruby 2.0 at all i like ruby 1.0 a lot better um yeah i'm just i'm not a fan of the character at all and i was glad to see her go <laughs> to be honest i was like okay bye-bye bye-bye you've served your purpose um she did fool me though i i was until the until the latter half of the season i really did think she was just a good demon she was like a demon that had an edge but she was a good demon and then that kind of shifted so i thought that was played really well i think that was cleverly written so i will give them props for that yeah Definitely, definitely. Um, well, what I want to talk about now is, and this is something that I added to the outline today, so it might be surprising my panelists here, but just because of how important this character is, especially now, I want to talk about the introduction of Chuck, who is, of course, a prophet. At least that's what we think he is. Um, and I, and that's one of my favorite episodes of season four is the monster at the end of the book. I think it's so brilliantly written and it's a meta episode, of course. Um, but I just want to discuss him. What do you think about Chuck, Judy? Um, yeah, oh, I agree. Chuck, you know, when, when he first was introduced, he was just this fun, dorky prophet, but the fact that he's a writer, um, and, you know, a lot of people in the fandom write, uh, and it's kind of fun to see that sort of, you know, avatar, um, who can point out some of the difficult things that people that write are challenged with, like endings are hard and, you know, sometimes stories get stuck and, um, you know, torturing your characters, but you got to torture them because that's a good story. And yeah. So Chuck is Chuck is fun when he's first introduced for that reason. Um, But uh, yeah, my gosh, Chuck becomes quite the character as the, you know, as the story <laughs> progresses. Um, But Rob Benedict is. Oh, again, a casting man. He just plays him perfectly with this perfect amount of, you know, when those in those early times when he's playing Chuck, you know, and he's that vulnerable and dorky and whatnot. And as you see him in other episodes and catch hints of there's more there. Um, yeah, I, I great job, Rob, Rob Benedict. And what a what a cool character. And now anytime I, you know. Think of the character of God in a show like Lucifer or something. I'm like, how could it be anybody but Rob Benedict? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And Jill. Um, yeah, Rob Benedict is perfect. Um, I loved the one of the things I love about Chuck overall is how he has gone from a character you love to a character you don't. Um, and that's good writing. That's good acting. Um, but at the very beginning, Chuck, the, the way he plays Chuck in the monster at the end of the book is just so fun. He's just this 
creepy, weird little guy in his house typing out these books. Um, he's shaky and he's <laughs> he's nervous. And now I, I don't I don't know if it's ever been been said when they decided to make Chuck God. I don't know when that happened. I feel like it didn't happen then. Because I feel like the Chuck in the monster at the end of the book is not a character who knows he's God. Or that maybe they even knew he was God. Because he's written so, he's not written as a character who's faking it. It's He's he's so real in his nervousness and his uh, unsureness. Uh, but I love that about him. I mean, he's he's just so weird and odd and <laughs> And I just, I love his, uh, how the guys just despise him, but because <laughs> he's writing their lives, like what is going on here? And as a meta episode, it's so much fun to find out that there are both them reading the books about themselves and then going online to read the fan fit, read the fan response just cracks me up every time. Uh, I, I loved Chuck, I think in every single episode he was in. Um, from beginning to end. Um, and uh, I think he was a great addition and casting. You're right. Rob Benedict is perfect. Yeah, I think it was um, season five uh, towards the end that they kind of decided, you know, that um, and, and Rob played it that way, too, in Swan Song. But yeah, that he's got. But yeah, you're that. and Sasha. Yeah, I was going to bring up Swan Song, and that was definitely how. No, you're good. That's where that shift happened. Um, I, yeah, Chuck in Monster at the end of the book, you're right, he's just this weird little dude just typing away, you know, and um, it's funny that he was writing the boy's story, and I love when Dean is on the bed with all the books. The covers of the books were great. Like, that first one where it's, like, the very romance novel, like, Fabio, like, shirtless kind of thing cracked me up. It's like, come on. Who does this? This is brilliant. Um, So I did, I like that they added that kind of, again, it was like, plot twist. Somebody's writing your life story, and you are stuck acting it out. Um, And Chuck is the embodiment of why that is happening. Um, so, yeah, I that's such a great episode. And just everything about it. Yeah, yeah, Chuck, Chuck is fantastic um, in those early seasons. And then, of course, we come to hate him. Um, although it took a while for that to really completely happen. Um and we'll discuss this when we discuss um, Carver's um, era and, and season 11 and when we really get that confirmation of who Chuck is. Um, and I think that's a really great episode. Um, but, yeah, he's Rob Benedict is just he's just so sweet and great and wonderful. And I remember going to the first convention, Supernatural convention that I went to here and watching him on stage and just thinking this is one of the sweetest men in the whole entire universe. And he brings that a lot to his character and he does that in a lot of things that he does. Like he was on Felicity and he played a character that was kind of 
uh, kind of in a way similar to Chuck in some instances, as far as, I mean, it's the Chuck in season four um, and being kind of picked on and being the guy who's, you know, wanting everybody to like him, but kind of doesn't know how to go about doing that. And, but there's a lot of depth there. And I think in this one, it's just so much this guy that doesn't understand what's happening, why he's even writing these books and then learning that he's like a prophet um, and his fear. What was first when his when he first says there's only one explanation. I must be a god. I mean, now you view that that's a little bit different. But just the way he said that was just so funny. And I was like, you're not a god. <laughs> a cruel and, and capricious. God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he's talking about, oh, did you really have to live bugs? The bugs and the <laughs> the bad episodes that we know we hate that kind of it was really really funny and he just delivered the line so well um he's just so great and i don't think we would love chuck as much if it wasn't for rob benedict because he's just like you said judy the casting they just they have that down um i think they've only made a few mistakes along the road with that but for the most part their casting has always been spot on but he, i just rob, rob made you made you love him Exactly. Made you love Chuck. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. I just want to make sure we touched on him because he will come up a lot more in future episodes, of course. Um, And the big thing that happens, of course, in season four is, you know, they're preparing the apocalypse is supposed to come and Lucifer is supposed to rise. And there's all these um, seals that are supposed to be open. And of course, you learn that the angels like Zachariah want this to actually happen. Um, and there's also a big thing that comes up in season four, and I think it really plays out more in season five and then so forth and so forth. Um, but I want to bring it up quickly before we transition to season five is free will versus fate or destiny. Um, and, you know, that's that's a big, big theme in Supernatural, as I think it was Judy who brought that up earlier here. Um, so I just want to talk about that quickly um judy what are your thoughts on how they kind of introduced free will versus fate and how they handled it in season four but um free will and fate so that is one of my favorite themes obviously of this show um you know aside from family that's got to be right up there at the top um it's free will is why the people um uh, there were so many people who thought that like this show was going to end with the brothers dying or one brother killing another. And I just like this show has been built upon the idea of breaking destiny and writing your own story and, and free will since season four. Like I, I could not imagine that that would be the ending. I certainly would hope not. It would, it would not be a good <laughs> ending. Um, but yeah, I love that that that's a recurring theme over and over and over from here on out. Um, and it's because of uh, these three and, you know, the one family that they end up building. Um, it's because they reject fate and reject what God's story is and what the angels are telling them to do and what the demons want them to do. Um, that drives the whole story. So, yeah, I love the free will versus fate thing. And Jill? Um, I agree. Um, I mean, very much, I think all of us are pretty much a proponent of free will in our own lives. Just like, 
I don't, I don't want somebody telling me what I have to do. Um, so I totally understand that. And I feel that every time they, they exercise their free will and I cheer it on every time, every time, you know, Dean tells somebody to shove it up their ass, like, you know, like, yes, that's what we want. Um, and I'm always interested in the shock that's on the face of whoever it is who thinks they've got them under control. You know, when he tells Zachariah no, Zachariah is shocked that he's telling him no. And and that happens every time. Whoever is, thinks they're in power gets shot down. They're in shock because they can't imagine that anyone would say no, that would do not do what they want them to do. And I, I love that theme. I love team free will. I'm fully backed on team free will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Sasha. Yeah. Team free will all the way. I, I can't add anything to it. I'll, I like what Jill said though, about them. People are being shocked. Like how dare you not go with my plan? My plan is the right plan. My plan is brilliant. You should be on my plan. No, no, no. Well, even at the end, Chuck coming in and going, are you kidding me? It's it's still 15 years later. He can't believe they're not doing what he wants him to do. And as they keep stand, they keep getting up. They keep getting up. They keep getting up every time. And, you know, I'm not going to go into more details because that could be spoilery for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But, boy, that's that's a gorgeous scene. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I th- and you know I think you know the only person and we'll get into this in just a minute looking at this character the only person that has never underestimated the Winchesters is Crowley. I mean Crowley really knows, and he even says that he's like people just it, why don't people see that you can, <laughs> you never can beat them that you know they'll always stand up to you um, because yeah people are always constantly shocked that oh my gosh they're not doing what I want them to do. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a big a big 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 thing in this show is having that that free will and um, not doing what you're necessarily told to do if it's not the right thing to do um, if it doesn't you know if it doesn't help your cause if it doesn't help the world if it doesn't help your family if it doesn't you know it, it I think the free will fits in with the family. Um, because, you know, Team Free Will is the family, the found family there, since Cass is part of Team Free Will. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with it, too. Um, and I think this really comes into play a lot more in Season 5, even, um, because, of course, Season 4 ends with Lucifer being freed from the cage, um, because Lilith was the last seal, and Sam killing her freed Lucifer from... Um, the cage. And so that's how season five sort of opens up um, is you've got Lucifer and then you later learn that um, Sam is going to be Lucifer's is supposed to be Lucifer's intended vessel and Dean is supposed to be Michael's intended vessel. And then they're going to have this big battle. Um, But I want to talk about, we're going to switch now to season five and I want to talk about Lucifer and the introduction of Lucifer and every show does this character differently. So I just, on lucifer judy um okay so lucifer yes so lucifer in season five i loved how scary and powerful he was um i mean he it really felt like this is apocalypse with the capital a this is the end of everything the stakes were so high 
Um, and that the big battle between Michael and Lucifer was really going to be the end of almost everything. Um, and, you know, no matter what happened, it was going to be terrible for humans. So there was really no good decision for the Winchesters to make. And um, no matter how you feel about Mark Pellegrino as a actor <laughs> or as a person, he is a fantastic actor. Um, and I, the his portrayal of Lucifer and the nuances that he puts into that performance, um, wow, he is just so good. Uh, so yeah, and well, and of course Sam's Lucifer and at the end of the end is is amazing too yeah i love those those that the that season five lucifer that we get that is just so scary and so big and so powerful that you know you spend the whole season fearing for the winchesters for real like this how in the heck are they going to get out of this um and i love when i love when the story has that big of a um scary big bad and jill uh, yeah, I I loved Lucifer as a character. I didn't love Lucifer because um, he's the bad guy, but I thought Mark plays him perfectly. Um, of all the the various versions of Lucifer we have, he's the best, I think. Um, he's got that that just that snarkiness, and um, you know, with that evil underneath it, I I just love I love the way he plays Lucifer. Um, again, casting, casting was perfect. Uh, I did like the way that Jared played, um, Samifer, <laughs> uh, thought he did a very good job. He, he was very different from Sam. You could, when he plays the scenes where he switches between Sam and Lucifer, there, there's a, a visible, switch not just in facial expression and in voice but in body language uh so i thought they did a very good job with that um i pretty much overall enjoyed the lucifer storyline throughout um by the end i felt like after he kept coming back and coming back and coming back that um it was getting a little tiresome but at this point in the storyline i thought lucifer was fantastic but it added quite a bit to the show and i thought mark was a great addition and Sasha. Um, I also liked Mark's portrayal of Lucifer. Um, I thought it was really good. And yeah, it's the casting in the show is just phenomenal. I don't know how they do it, but they got it down. It's amazing. Uh, so I did like how he played Lucifer. Um, I don't know that he's my all time favorite Lucifer out of all the Lucifers, but you know. He did a really good job and I liked it. Uh, I also agree about Samifer and, you know, how Jared played Sam and Lucifer. That season five story I enjoyed because I like season five. It's one of my favorite seasons. So I like the overall story arc of that. Um, and just kind of that slow torment to wear you down where it's like, OK, we like I'm going to have to say yes how else am I going to do this? Like, there's no alternative. It's just that constant, you know, pecking until you go, all right, fine. So I thought that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, I liked Lucifer in season five, and then um, Lucifer became a character that I loathe, and not in a good way. Um, I do agree that Mark Pellegrino is 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 good in the role. I think he's an ass in real life, so it's tainted the character for me. Um, but I do think he did a good job. He was creepy. Um, the scene where he's taking over Nick's body when Lucifer's taking over Nick's body and all those scenes I think are pretty creepy in the beginning and played really well. Um, I liked Jared's Lucifer. I liked the Samifer a a little bit, uh, not as much, but I did like it. Um, I think it's interesting that every person that has taken on this character has added something different to it. So that's what I've found interesting about this character throughout the seasons. I think it's stale and old and I just uh, enough with Lucifer already. Um, But I do think that that is pretty fascinating that Jared kind of added this um, when Sam was playing it, there was almost this, I don't want to say regal, but this, um, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but wasn't it was terrifying in a different way um a little bit more of that beauty and that that lucifer is supposed to have and that um kind of bewitching characteristic and um you know i think he added that to it and we'll get into the other versions in later seasons um but i do think that's what's interesting about this character um and like I said, this is the only, this is really the only season that I completely love Lucifer in. I thought he was okay as the flashbacks in season seven, um, or not the flashbacks, but when he's basically torturing Sam. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll save more of my thoughts on Lucifer on some of our later episodes. Um, but yeah, I do think the casting was good, even though I have issues galore with that actor, but I do think the casting was, was really good. He's really good at playing complete and utter cretins (laughs) because he plays i mean in um dexter he plays an absolute utter total creep too so he's he's pretty good at doing that um well i want to talk about sam and dean being separated before we get into lucifer and michael and sam and dean and that whole struggle of deciding whether or not to say yes because i've got many thoughts about a certain episode Um, But I want to get into Sam and Dean are separated a little bit in the first beginning of this because Sam decides he's going to leave and he even becomes like a short order cook or something at a bar. Um, (laughs) And then you've got a lot of Dean with with Cass. And of course, you've got the episode, the end. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. What were your thoughts when they were separated, Judy? Um, Yeah, I mean, they weren't separated for very long, just a couple of episodes. But I just thought those episodes were really important and really impactful. Um, for a couple of reasons. One is it it really shows um, what happens to them when they're not together. It shows, speaking of the codependency, right? <laughs> um, but it shows their love for each other, too, and, and um, how much better that they are when they're working together. Um you know, it turns out that the fate of the whole universe depends on them forgiving one another and working <laughs> together so that Sam won't say uh, yes to Lucifer. Um, but that said, that th- those couple of episodes that they were apart, I thought they were s- some really good, really amazing episodes. Um, of course, as a DCL shipper, you know, it gave me the Burton Ernie line and it gave, you know, Dean saying the 
you know, the last night on Earth line to cast. Um, and then cast losing his uh, powers and staying with Dean forever. You know, like the two of us, we're going to go out together um, in the end and being willing to walk into what he knows is a trap um, to, to die for Dean again. So, yeah, those those for for DCL shippers, those are those are two wonderful episodes um, and they help to, you know, keep building that uh, relationship between Cass and Dean. So, of course, you know, I love them for for those reasons. Um, But, yeah, again, they just they just kind of show that uh, these two need to be together for the fate of the universe or our universe anyway. And Jill. Um, yeah, I think necessary for plot lines for a storyline, but in general, I don't like anytime Sam and Dean are apart for any length of time or are fighting for any length of time or that speaking to one another or they're constantly arguing with one another. Anytime we get into those loops, I tend to be a little less happy. Um, there can be good storylines within those periods, but given the choice, I much prefer them together. Um, and I think that's what they're trying to show us when they're apart is that they're better together. But um, yeah, I'm generally less happy anytime they're not together for any long period of time. Um, Sasha. Um, I'm going to go with Judy on this one. And yeah, like, you know, There's certain points where you have to have that go on and it does show their dependency and sorry, I just got cat bombed. It's fine. (laughs) Part of it shows how much they need and rely on each other. So I can see why Jill is sad when they're apart. Well, I'm going to make everybody angry. I love it when they're apart. (laughs) I love it when they're apart. I want more of it. Um, I and and especially in these episodes, I was like, okay, let's just okay, let's just have um, Cass and Dean hunting together now. We don't need to have Sam and Dean. They can they can meet up every once in a while. See, this is why I'm gonna have people who love Sam are gonna absolutely hate me when they listen to these episodes. Um, but I just I love those episodes. I love Free to Be You and Me. I mainly just the Dean scenes, Dean and Cass scenes. Um, not so much the Sam stuff, but I love the Dean and Cass stuff. Um, I love the whole, you know, the whole scene when Cass is, when they're at the police station, you know, and beforehand, and Dean's like, you've got to lie. And it's like, why? Because that's how you become president. And um, and then the whole thing when they're in there and he has the badge upside down and then we sing there and he's going, it's demons. And, <laughs> and Dean's like, oh, God, it's demons. It's demons. It's demons. <laughs> It's so funny uh, because even when Cass is trying to put on this air, when he's first trying to do it, he still has that thing of, no, I'm going to be honest about this. What, what what can possibly happen? And then the whole thing when they go and, and Dean tries to get Cass laid and that whole scene is so great and so funny. Um, and I just I you really got to see their chemistry together in that. Um, and then, of course, the end is a absolutely fabulous episode because 
it just for for many 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 reasons we could have just done an episode talking about that episode honestly <laughs> um which maybe we will do that in our other things to talk about we'll we'll mention that one um we'll go in depth in that one possibly um but yeah i just i i personally was sad it ended as soon as it did with their departure so i'll be the lone person there that i actually because i think you get to see um deeper sides of both of them and and the codependency to me gets so old so i like being able to see them separate and being able to see different sides so i always appreciate episodes when they're separated um yeah because and we get some of those like in later seasons too and judy did you want to add something on there you know sam pair up with Cass. it's just something different or you know Dean and Donna or, or, you know, like any other combination, it just broadens the, the story, broadens the relationship, broadens the characters. You just get more. Um, yeah, so I, 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 true, I, I, I agree. Um, I want them together a lot because their chemistry is amazing. Um, but I do think we get more of them and more stories if, if they're not just always it's, it's it's almost claustrophobic when it's just the two of them all the time. They need you get more and you need I think you need more. Yeah. Yeah. And and I wish we'd gotten more Dean and Donna. I ship those two. So. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I always thought Sam and Donna were kind of would have been kind of adorable together. Uh, maybe uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't agree with that either. <laughs> I, I will say, you know, for for my opinion on them together, I, I do like when they separate and they do things, but I hate when it's extended. So if we have an episode where they're apart and they're working on two different things and they're in different pairings, I love that. But when we go two, three, four episodes and we're stretching it out, then I'm starting to feel like we need to we need to get them back together. But after. Um, when, when Dean lets, saved Sam's life by letting an angel possess him. And then, you know, Sam was super angry about him saving his life. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little bitter, but like, it just went on and on yeah. and on. And I was like, you know what? Okay, Sam, forgive him and also say thank you. <laughs> but that, that works the other way too. Dean gets pissed off about things and he also holds on to it and drags right. it out and never forgives him and it's like just move on yeah yeah that i don't i agree that that gets that gets old <laughs> a little bit here and there you need because otherwise it's you know if just if it's just a love fest all the time it's too much but absolutely you know there's there's a limit <laughs> yeah no i i see what you're saying although you know that was in season nine and that's one of my absolute favorite seasons but yeah, but yeah, there was a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of get over it already stuff yeah. there. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I think it's just because I just find it in the characters sometimes more interesting when they're not together. Um, and especially, you know, in those earlier seasons and, and um, in the episode in season nine as well. Um, when Cass and Dean are together and they're working a case and I used to ship them as well. So it's probably speaking to that shipper part of me, but I, I loved, I love watching them individually together. Um, I just, I think that's a lot of fun. Okay. Well, let's get into, before we get into, we are going to get into Lucifer and Michael and Sam and Dean thing, but I want to get into Crowley because Crowley is introduced in season five and he becomes a very, very important character. Um, not as important as Cass, but 
kind of just a little bit, I think just a little bit below Cass as far as like the length of the time he was on the show and how many important storylines he had. So what are your thoughts on Crowley, Judy? Um, well, what I have to say about Crowley is that I, he was so, he was the smart, definitely the smartest character in the show ever. Like smarter than, you know, we all think of Sam as the brilliant one, but uh-uh. Crowley was so smart. Like he was 10 steps ahead of everybody all the time. I just loved that about him. I mean, everybody else was playing checkers when he was playing chess. Um, but you know, of course they did ruin his character in later seasons by taking that away from him, which really pissed me off. Um, and I don't blame Mark for saying, you know, uh, I, I don't want to keep playing a character that, isn't you know that you did this too (laughs) um but in these early seasons yeah i i loved him i love that he um was that kind of frenemy kind of and you know enemy of your enemy and or whatever um but yeah he was a he was a really great character um smart and interesting for those early seasons but uh, again I, I think maybe maybe they kept him around maybe one or two seasons too long and didn't know what to do with him in those last seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said on um, the podcast, Bed, Wet, or Behead, when I was on there, I was the guest, and our choices were um, Crowley, um, Rowena, or Billy. And um, I, I beheaded Crowley, and the reason I did is because they neutered Crowley. So, and I love yeah. all three of those characters, but they neutered him towards the end is how I put it because it, yeah. it just, he wasn't as great and wonderful anymore, which was so sad to see. Um, Jill, what are your thoughts on Crowley? Um, yeah. Um, I love Crowley um, from the start. I do agree. He was more fun when he was like, like we've said about the demons and the angels early on, they were all scary. And then over time they kind of lost their, their scariness and Crowley early on was a little scary. He, he had power. He was tricky. You couldn't trust him. Uh, so I I did enjoy that Crowley more than the later Crowley, um, although I did like his character throughout. And when I first started watching this show, I never would have thought I would have been sad about the death of a demon. So, uh, so I was kind of sad to see Crowley go, even though he had been, you know, kind of watered down. I still enjoyed his character because he like. Like Judy said, he was always a step ahead of everybody else. He always knew more than everybody else. And he always had a plan. And he always had a backup plan. So when his plan failed, he had a backup plan. <laughs> uh, I, I love his storyline overall. I, it brought in Rowena to us, which was a very interesting twist to have the king of hell has a mother. It's like, what? <laughs> Uh, so I think they did a lot with him. Um, and again, casting. Mark is amazing. He's perfect for the role. Um, I kind of loved him during the Demon Dean stuff. When he's just like, oh, be my best friend, please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was a great addition to the storyline. And um, I kind of love how right off the bat he kind of became part of the team or like, adjacent team you know like somebody that they even though they knew they didn't trust him they relied on him a lot almost immediately 
I thought he he really added a lot to the to the cast. Yeah, Sasha. Yeah. Ditto to everything. I like what Jill said about he was very much team adjacent. You know, and he was I mean, he was kind of part of team free will by default because he didn't really like I think, Aaron, you mentioned earlier, he didn't underestimate the Winchesters. It was like he always knew what they could do and what their role would be. And so he kind of wanted to be in that circle. Um, so, but I, yeah, I liked Crowley. I, I always liked Crowley. He did get sad at the end. I do feel like they did a disservice to his character. Um, but he was just, he was fun. And he had the right level of snark and like, you know, pizzazz. I don't know, whatever it was that went with him. Yeah, I agree. And Jill, you wanted to add something there? Yeah, I was just thinking, and I hadn't thought of this before um, until we started talking about him, but, you know, we're talking about him being team adjacent. It just kind of struck me that I don't think Crowley ever really liked the demons. So I think Crowley is also a misfit. He's he's looking for his family. He's looking for his his team, his friends, because he doesn't really have it in the demons. He doesn't like them. Yeah. He wants to hang out with the Winchesters. They're more fun. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. And Judy, you wanted to add something, too? Yeah. You know, we were talking before about how um, Dean who Dean is or the Winchesters in general changed Cass. I feel like they also changed Crowley. It just kind of once again goes back to the power of, of, I don't know, the magnetism of (laughs) of especially Dean, but both, both of them. um, And, and what I had said where I just feel like everybody just kind of falls a little bit in love with Dean. Except yeah. Dean. Well, yeah. Except oh my God! Ouch! <laughs> that hurt. <Except> <laughs> True. True. Yeah, I definitely think Crowley and and I'll get into this when we talk about um, season ten when we talk about Demon Dean. I'll talk a lot about how Crowley really I think fell in love with Dean um, during that time. But yeah, I, I loved Crowley, and that's why I was so sad to see what they did to his character and how they dumbed him down later. Because, like you said, Judy, he's incredibly smart, and he's witty, and he's funny, and sometimes he's the one you're fearing, and then other times he's the one that you are rooting for in some weird way. Um, and I think all of that really goes to – it's the writing, but it's also Mark Shepard. What he did with that character, I mean, once again, as we've said hundreds of times before with the casting, no one else could play this character like he does. And if you ever go to a convention, he base and sadly, he doesn't do them anymore, the supernatural ones, but he would come out and he would be that character. He would be Crowley. And so people would be afraid to even ask him a question because he would be, you know, like Crowley and cut him off or say something back to him or something and I thought that was so awesome and cool. And that's one of the things that's so special about him. And he was a gift to the show and to the fandom, I think. 
um, and the character just in general just added so much. And that's what's so interesting to me is how there have been demons that come on that just become favorites. Um, and I know Meg was on season one and in season five, of course, but we're going to talk about her more in in the upcoming ones, because I think that's when she becomes more important. But I think she's another one that's up there for me, I think, um, as far as favorite demons go and ones that really uh, change because of with Meg, it was also cast, but because of their interactions with Winch with the Winchesters. Um, and I love Crowley and Cass's interactions as well. I think they have a really interesting dynamic um, because, you know, they're demon and angel. And so they're fighting against each other. But at the same time, they have these moments. And of course, in season six, they're working together. But they have these moments where... I don't know. They're just fun to watch. They they're like this bickering, not couple, but bickering siblings, really. <laughs> in some ways, um, you see that in season nine when they go on the road trip with Dean, and Dean has to deal with the both of them bickering, and it's just really interesting and funny. So yeah, Crowley Crowley is a gem. Love love that Crowley. Yeah, Jill, were you going to add something there? Sorry. Yeah, I was just saying that Cat, um, that Crowley brought us some very important things. He brought us Hello Boys, and he brought us Moose and Squirrel. So, if for nothing else, he brought us some iconic, um, you know, lines and nicknames and things that that we still use. Yes, very, very, very true. Yeah, yeah, especially Moose and Squirrel. But I want to get into Lucifer and Michael and Sam and Dean. And through this season, they struggle um, with whether or not to say yes. They keep fighting against saying yes, that they're not going to. And then you first have Dean sort of break down and say he's going to say yes. And I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, and then, of course, later you have um, Sam say, yes, we should say it. I should say yes to Lucifer. This is the only way we can defeat him. And, of course, getting the rings from the four horsemen, that kind of stuff. Um, so what are your thoughts on this whole storyline, Judy, and then struggling with that? I love the storyline of of Dean being Michael's vessel and Sam being Lucifer's, it just makes the whole story so much bigger. Like, think it, this goes back to Adam and Eve, you know, and their kids, and like this is this is it. It just really makes the whole that it ups the stakes. It makes the story bigger. It makes you realize that these two aren't just two dudes driving around in a car hunting. They are central characters in the story of the fate of the world. So that's. That's really cool. Um, and now that we know that Chuck has been manipulating this thing the whole time, um, it just brings it makes the season all the more poignant, you know, that Chuck had this weird thing for brothers killing brothers or fathers killing sons. He's he's sadistic, really. And um so it it makes this interesting circular storytelling of like I said it goes all the way back to to Cain and Abel. So I I just really like the way this up the ante on everything. Um, and Dean's struggle with whether to say yes or not, um, especially after the end when he sees what could potentially happen if he doesn't say yes. 
Um, and, and like you said, where he kind of caves and is going to say yes. And, and just once again, feels that his life and his autonomy is not worth anything compared to, you know, just being able to sacrifice himself for everything. Um, and then him rejecting Michael is, is really interesting because, you know, Michael's supposed to be the good angel um, and the lesser of the two evil uh, of, of between him and Lucifer. But then it turns out that they're both awful. Um, and, you know, we come back to, to, to free will again. And it means that even when you don't have control over just about anything else around you, the one thing that, that he could control that he did have control or both of them had control over was their own body autonomy. They could say yes or they could say no. And I just think that's like a really important theme there. So, yeah, I loved love that that storyline and uh, I felt it was really important and um, huge. <laughs> <laughs> and Jill? Yeah, I, I like the storyline. Uh, I think it added uh, quite a bit to the overall arc of the of the series. As a supporter of Team Free Will, every time they said no, I just cheered. I just <laughs> and even when and especially when they when they almost said yes and then said no, uh, it did bother me a little when they do eventually say yes and they both do eventually. Um, not this necessarily this season for Dean, but um, I always kind of hated when they said yes because it felt like ah they they gave in they they didn't keep fighting, um, but it sets up Swan Song, which is an amazing episode, um, and it leads us out of Kripke's, Kripke's original five year plan and into the next ten years. It. We, we don't falter. Even though we have story arcs for every season, this overall arc of angels and demons and heaven and hell and Sam and Dean's part in all of it carries on for the rest of the season. So this is setting up the entire rest of the series. Uh, so it's a very important storyline. But I always want them to say no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sasha? I, I can't add. I got nothing to add. It's all been said. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. It's all been said. But I it is. It's it sets up the rest of the entire series. You know. Um I think that we need to throw Adam in there real quick cuz you know, Dean Dean was like, "Nope. I don't know. Nope." Maybe, yeah, no, I don't know. And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, screw you. You're out. We're taking an Adam. So yeah. I'm just going to throw that in there. Give me two cents. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are we going to forget about Adam? Like he was forgotten for so many years. I was say, why not? Everybody else did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got to uh, be honest. I never really cared about Adam. <laughs> I know people have been, you know, for years worrying about Adam in hell, and I'm like, you know what? Adam was a bit of a dick. I'm not worried about him. <laughs> they should have listened to him. Well, I mean, we never, we never, we never knew Adam. Yeah, they we pulled didn't. Adam from they pulled Adam from the dead. He was dead, so we didn't even know who Adam was. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but they tried to tell him, you know, and he was like, No, I'm not gonna listen. I'm just gonna, you know, go with Zachariah. So, well, dude, you made your decision. <laughs> <laughs> he was not on Team Free Will. Yeah, no. call me heartless. <laughs> Well, no, I I agree. I wasn't really sitting here worrying about him for years and years. I will say, though, that I, I do like the actor who plays Adam. Um, I think he's really good. And I, I liked some of what he did um, coming back this most recent season. Spoilers there, I guess. But, I mean, I'm going to everyone. Everything's going to be spoilers in this, guys. <laughs> um, well, OK, I've got some thoughts on this. Um, I want to talk really quickly about the episode Point of No Return, because this is an episode I can't watch. Um, this episode profoundly disturbs me. Um, Dean is suicidal. That's all there is to it. Dean is completely suicidal. And the way people treat him, and I'm talking about Cass, I'm talking about Sam, and even Bobby, the way they treat him when he's suicidal pisses me off to no end the fact that Cass beats him up and I know some shippers love that scene and find it sexy or romantic but the fact that Cass beats him so severely when he is suicidal and yes I know Cass hasn't quite gotten past the angel thing or into his thing and I know you know he rebelled from heaven because of Dean and now Dean's disappointing him and I know Dean making this choice is not a good thing but you don't approach someone who's suicidal the way that they approach Dean. And it so bothers me that it was even written. Um, it bothers me that it was written in a way where Dean was at fault. It bothers me the way it was kind of blown off. It bothers me the way some people in the fandom treat this episode. This is why I won't watch this episode again. I think I've only watched it twice, maybe, because it's too painful to watch. So that's my thoughts on that. Um And I find that a lot of times people like to treat Dean with tough love and tough love isn't always the best approach um, because I think sometimes it's it's missing that word love. It's missing love. So I just want to say that really quickly. Um, I'm one of those that when uh, Dean in later seasons, spoiler, says yes to Michael, I was thrilled and excited. I didn't like what ended up happening with that, but I was thrilled and excited because as a Dean girl, I had been waiting <laughs> to see that <laughs> iteration there for years. I was just curious about it. But I do agree, Jill, that sometimes you do go, oh, don't say yes. Don't say yes. Um, I always knew that Sam was going to end up saying yes to Lucifer for some reason. I just had this inkling that somehow that was going to happen because I felt like that's what they were going to need to do. Um, I didn't think that what, and we'll get into Swan Song here in just a second. I didn't think that what happened at the end of Swan Song would happen. So that was a surprise. Um, but I, I do think it was really interesting. The getting, um, I loved when they were getting the horseman's rings, of course, death, Death will always be one of my favorite characters. Amazing, amazing, amazing. One of the greatest entrances ever, ever, ever. Brilliantly done. Um, so that was really, really interesting to me. But yeah, yeah, I just had major issues with that. So that's that's part of the reason I brought that up is I wanted to just mention my um, pain and sorrow with that episode and how much it bothers me. So, Okay, well, let's get into Swan Song because that is sort of it's it's the end of Eric Kripke. Um, for some people, they feel that's the way that's where the series should have ended, period. 
Um, and so I want to get everybody's general thoughts on Swan Song, Judy. I mean, it, if it had ended there, it would have been okay. You know, I mean, it, it would have been a gorgeous five-year arc. Um, but they had more story to tell. Why not tell it, right? Um, but yeah, I, it, I, I'm not super happy with the way it ended though i mean i do i love the episode i love that you know uh, chuck's narration and i love that the impala was became the most important object in the universe um i love that they were all going to you know after sam said yes they were gonna just go let him do his thing but then Dean was like, no, I'm not going to let him do this alone. And Cass and Bobby followed along. Like, just there's just so many beautiful things in there um, that completed that story. Um, I didn't like Sam ending up in hell, though. I mean, that just broke my heart. Um, I get it. You know, and I get that, you know, from, from the beginning, this has kind of been a story about, you know, this this unique boy, Sam, and, you know, he was given that demon blood from the beginning, and there was fate in, involved and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I, I just, I'm a sucker for a happy ending, man. <laughs> I wanted, um, <laughs> did not want to see him end up in hell, and I did not like that Cass just left and left Dean alone to go back to Lisa, his one night stand or one weekend stand. <laughs> what the fuck? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So almost all of Swan Song I found absolutely gorgeous and beautiful, but there was definitely some big fat question marks at the end for me. <laughs> um, Jill. Uh, I would not have been happy if that was the end. Um, if they had left us show over, Sam's in hell, I would have been like, what? <laughs> I would have been so unhappy. Um, I love Swan Song. I, I love um, Chuck's narration. I love pulling in the history of the Impala and all those little things that make it tell us why. It's not just Dad's car, why it's so important. It has their initials in it. It's got the Legos in the in the. Um, front and has got the army man in the back. I mean, just I love all those little details about baby and how all of those memories. I love the scene when Sam fights Lucifer and becomes Sam at the end when he sees the Impala. I love the editing of all the memories piling up for the last five years, running really fast um, and and pulling Sam out. Of Lucifer. I think that's brilliant editing. Um, I don't know if it's written that way or if that's something you know the director did or, or the editors did, but it I love it. Um, I think it's a well done episode. Um, I think it um, again. I don't like that he said yes, but he kind of had to to get us to where we were going. Um, and it's interesting that the choice to pull in Michael with Lucifer, take them both in together. Uh, I don't know if they had a long range plan for that, 
um, because they were in there for an awful long time, um, or if it was just a a thought to to take them both to get them off the board for a while. Uh, I love how everybody came together. Um, It also gave us this glimpse that maybe God wants Cass around. They brought Cass back. I think it was a fantastic way to end the season and, and lead us into the next one, but boy, would I would have been unhappy if that was it. If, if, if Kripke got his way and that was it, I would have been, been so unhappy. So anybody who knows me knows that Baby is probably my all-time favorite character in the entire series. I love that car. I love the Impala. I, I love everything about her. She is the most important object in the entire universe. So I, for me, I love Chuck's narration about how important she is and all those components. And like Jill said, the, you know, she, she is what snaps Sam back into himself because he sees that and then it triggers all of those memories. And so for me that I know it's bigger than just the car, but for me that the car is the pivotal piece in that entire episode because baby is what makes the difference. She is what brings him back to who he is because he's going to kill Dean. I mean, he is going to beat him to death. There's no doubt in my mind that that's the way that that's going to play out. If it weren't for all of those components of baby. Um, And additionally, it gives us the great line of, Hey, ass butt. So I just want to throw that out there too. Um, And yeah, it is, you know, God brings Cass back. And what does he say? Something about like new and improved or better than ever or whatever, you know, when he heals Dean and brings Bob, uh, Bobby back and all that. So, um, but for me, that swan song is definitely the power of the car. And just that line of, even though they didn't have four walls and a roof, they were never truly homeless. And when Chuck's like, oh, that's a damn good line. I'm like, Yes, that's a great line. That is what it is, you know. And so all of that. And then Chuck at the very end, that's where I think you find out that he's a little bit more than a prophet. Because he, like, finishes his whiskey, types the end, and then he just kind of evaporates out. And you go, huh, hold on. So those are my feels on that. Judy, you wanted to add something there? I mean, Sasha said it, you know, when when it, when they when Chuck mentions that she's home, that you know they weren't homeless, that she is their home. That's just such a fantastic line. But um, you know, and and later on in Baby, we kind of get a sense of this that the Impala is more than just an inanimate object. There's almost a a spirit there. Baby is my all-time favorite episode. So, Sasha, I'm going to recommend a fic to you that I wrote where where Baby actually has a spirit. And it's written from her point of view. <laughs> Send it to me. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sasha was talking about the ending when we get this, this glimpse of that maybe Chuck is not who we thought he was. I, I love the, the shift at the end that Chuck is no longer messy. 
He's no longer nervous. He's wearing a bright white shirt. He's very clean. He's sitting up straight. It's just a total attitude change and a visual change to let us know he's not this weird, creepy dude. It's something else going on there. Yeah, not much else to add. Um, I do agree with all the stuff about about Baby. I think that's probably my favorite part of the whole episode. Um, I also love when Dean shows up and um, starts playing Def Leppard and that whole, I mean, it's just there's so much power to that and how he just will not give up, um, even though he's facing these two beings that are really logically 10,000 times more powerful than him. But then seeing Sam, seeing their reflection and, and looking at Baby and then having, you know, just even just the sound design of that whole scene is really incredible. Everything about it is just perfect. Um, yeah, it would have been a horrible way to end the series. I mean, granted, you do see at the very end, you see Sam out of hell. You see him spying on Dean. So you know he's out of hell. Uh, you don't know what that means, but you know he's out of hell. Um, and yeah, I agree. Lisa is... Lisa is like paint drying. She's so boring. And um, even though I want Dean, there's a part of me that really wants Dean to have that kind of life, to have it with her, it just seems like such an odd choice. I think it would have been made more sense, even though she hadn't been seen in forever, for him to go, if he was going to choose someone to go to, to go to Cassie. Because that was really, I think, of any other character, that's who he he loved. Um, and so I think that would have made more sense than him going to this one night stand. It just never really, I didn't understand that. It was kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's a, a nearly perfect episode, nearly perfect. Um, and I do, it does make me sad that Cass just kind of left and Dean was all alone. And, um, so in a way, I guess that can make you kind of make sense of him going to Lisa, even though it still doesn't click in my mind that that's who he would choose, except, you know, for Sam bringing that up. So yeah, it was, it was, it was great. And it was the end of an era, you know, the end of Kripke and Jill, you wanted to add something. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the the sound at the end of that episode and I think part of what makes that little montage, that memory montage at the end so powerful is there's no music. It's just mm -hmm. like a wind sound. It's just, mm -hmm. it's very quiet. And I think that adds to the impact of it. It could have been very easy to put some sappy music in there, um, mm -hmm. but it's perfect the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I do agree that baby is one of the best episodes because they could have done it. They could have, done that in so many weird ways and like given like a voice to her or something like that, which would have been bizarre. Um, and Sasha, I don't know if you're interested in this, but someone wrote a fic for me once about baby. It's a very, it's, it's involves a lot of uh, sex. It's a master. It's like masturbation and stuff and involving Dean, of course. So if you wanted to read that one too, I would be more interested to read Judy's than the one that was written for me. But in case you, <laughs> I'll take it all now that I've dipped my toes into fanfic. So whatever you want to send. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up um, this very short episode that we have done. <laughs> These are going to be so epically long. I warned everybody. Um, we're going to go ahead and close out and have everybody say where they can be found. If you want to be found, start with you, Judy. Um, I am on Tumblr at Angels Watching Over, all one 
worth. Um, and obviously now I said I, I write fanfic. And so on AO3, um, Angel's watching over as well, um, where you can find not one, but two different fics about baby. So <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> um, I am nowhere really. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on Twitter at ZBear2011, but I don't ever post anything, so I don't know why you'd follow me. <laughs> Um, I post gish stuff um, on there occasionally, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, follow me if you want, but I can't guarantee you're going to be entertained. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. And I'm I'm glad that we finally had you on some episodes and you're going to be returning too soon. Yeah, so me I'm too. This was you. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Sasha, are you still remaining? We're, I mean, you're not anonymous anymore. So are you still remaining not anonymous is what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm not anonymous. I've been outed at this point. So, uh, yeah, you can, I'm on Instagram and it's, uh, vegan geek chick on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, send me all of your stuff about baby. Cause really she is, she is my all time favorite. So are you a Sam girl, a Dean girl? No, I'm, a, I'm a baby girl. I want an Impala. I want that Impala. Um, and this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback um, about Supernatural, anything you would like us to touch on um, and you want to get us an email quickly, feel free to email us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us via socials excuse me, via social media and keep an eye out because we're going to be doing tons of polls. As I said, I'm going to be doing basically a new poll almost every day about Supernatural. Um, and since Judy promoted her um, fanfic, you can find my fanfic under C Avery one. That's S E A A V E R Y and the number one. Um, and I, you know, I write supernatural fanfic. I started writing the Mindy project fanfic, so I still have some of that, but I primarily write stuff from Dean's point of view. I've written one that was a request that's from Sam's point of view. So that was a very interesting <laughs> exercise for me. Um, but yeah, like I said, I wrote, I have a series that I will eventually finish. I promise about Dean and therapy. So, yeah. So, and next week we are going to be continuing talking about or on the next episode. It's going to still be in this week. Sorry. <laughs> Since we divided this into two, I got confused. But yeah, you're going to get like three episodes at least this week. Um, we're going to be talking about Sarah Gamble's era. And Sasha and Sarah will be returning for that one. And that'll be a lot of fun. And Judy and Jill are going to be returning um, next week as well. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.